Back on February 7th, I told a story about the closure of the critical Highway 75 that begins at the Pembina-Emerson border crossing and runs approximately 101 kilometers or 63 miles north, running along the west side of the Red River, right to the city of Winnipeg. It's important to today's story. Hi, I'm Chris May, host of This Day in Weather History, a podcast from the Weather Network in Canada. This highway is a major artery connecting the American Midwest to central Canada, so one would have to deduce that there is a lot of industry and population gathered near this artery that, as I mentioned, runs along the Red River. That flooded really bad this day in weather history. Flooding in Manitoba's Red River Valley is not unusual, so if you have an event here that is remembered as unusual, it would have to be really bad by most other location standards. The amount of water that this spring unleashed on the areas lining the river in this valley back in the spring of 1997 was enough for it to be labeled, quote, the flood of the century. People are trying to make the best of it, but the mood swings are varied, right from people who are total just a total breakdown because of what they've been through and it's been very difficult. We're going to keep our fingers crossed and hope the dike holds. Remember that this day in weather history can be enjoyed a number of ways. Right now you are listening to the full version of today's story on your favorite podcast provider, but there is also the daily podcast video short. They are shot right here in my podcast recording studio so you get that perspective and oftentimes they will include visuals from that day's event from when it happened in weather history. So after listening to the full story, go check out the podcast video short on television or online anytime at theweathernetwork.com forward slash weather history. What could have happened for this to be given a name as awe-inspiring and fear-inducing as Flood of the Century? Well, for starters, it covered over 2,500 square kilometers of land in water, or I guess I should have said underwater. And that forced the evacuation of a staggering 28,000 people. We have almost 400 people that, uh, that have offered up their homes as private billets, which is extraordinary to, considering that uh, you're hosting a family that you don't know, first time you've ever met them or anything else. It's extraordinary. In short, there were actually many different factors that came together to make this flood particularly devastating. And just like yesterday in the episode of this podcast where Quebec flooded, this all started with a wetter-than-normal fall in the Red River Basin. It was a really snowy winter and early spring as well, and that even included an April blizzard. So needless to say, the ground was frozen pretty early, locking out additional moisture. And again, just like yesterday, where I compared frozen solid ground under this dense snowpack to concrete, the Red River Valley is a bit of a misnomer in that it is actually as flat as a table. Oh, and... It also, if you did not know this, flows in the opposite direction that you would expect because the Red River flows north into and through Canada. So now the U.S. version of this story. This 1997 flood was so much greater in scale to any other Red River flood dating back to the 1880s. As a result, it caught the National Weather Service in the United States by surprise as they underestimated how high the water would go. And boy, did they miss the mark. Just some proper notice of water elevations in order to maintain the stability of a, of a four-foot dike that's required. The Red River rose up and swallowed Grand Forks, North Dakota. The whole downtown was underwater and on fire. Downtown buildings were burning. 
largely out of the reach of firefighters who couldn't move in the heavily flooded streets. A total of 11 buildings were totally destroyed. It was said that after a survey of Grand Forks, there were actually only eight homes that had no flood damage. East Grand Forks, Minnesota, on the one side of the river and Grand Forks on the North Dakota side, suffered some of the worst effects of this slow-moving 1997 disaster. The flood displaced more than 50,000 people in the two riverside towns. However, somehow, the largest population center along the Red River, Fargo, North Dakota, and Moorhead, Minnesota, on the other side, narrowly escaped major damage in this tragedy. Even with the river reaching its highest level in a century, some riverside neighborhoods flooded, but miles of emergency levees and millions of sandbags saved most of that community. This day in weather history. Hey, do you like the podcast? We'd love to hear from you. If you have an idea, go right now to wherever you're listening to me and rate us if you would, please. It's on a five-star system and we would love as many stars as you can afford. So rate us, but then also review us. This way we can always stay on top of how you'd like to see the show evolve. Then remember to subscribe to this podcast. Click the subscribe or follow button right there on the very same podcast homepage you're listening on. You'll be immediately reminded that the next day is ready to listen to, and you also have access to every episode in the archives. It dates back to June 1st of 2020, so there is a lot that we got to get caught up on on this day in weather history. Tomorrow is May 1st, and we're celebrating here in Canada a true milestone. Tomorrow, the Meteorological Service of Canada, the MSC, marks the years of providing quality weather forecasting services and information to all Canadians. We are right nutty here about the weather, and why not? When we've had a government service providing us with weather news and information for almost as long as Canada has been recognized as a country, we are likely to have a lot to talk about. And we'll talk a lot about this tomorrow, on this day in weather history, with me, your host, Chris May.